Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website, and again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us.
The scripture this morning is rather short from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, the first half of it is on the front of your bulletin. It's a little different translation than what I'm reading here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week, of course, we are continuing on looking at our favorites, our favorite scriptures and our favorite hymns. And if you have not shared your favorite scripture and hymns with me, there should still be a little half or quarter sheet of paper in your bulletins. And you're welcome to fill that out and put it in the basket at the back of the church. Or if you have another one that you've thought of as we go along, feel free to fill it out and put it in as well. This week, it was especially wonderful to be able to do some hymns that we were able to do because of our musicians. And believe it or not, all of the hymns in our hymnal are not available on Anywhere Church. And so it was fun to be able to pull these hymns and sing some that we haven't sang for a while. I told you last week that one of the fun parts for me during this series is that I get to read some of the history of the hymns. I get to figure out what they're all about as much as I can. And it's really fun to go through them. As I read through the history of In the Garden, I was pretty shocked, very shocked actually. This is what the history that was written by the United Methodist Church Discipleship Ministry says about this hymn. It says some hymns have the distinction of being very adored by many and simultaneously scorned by an equal and opposing group. Such is the case within the garden. The hymn actually did not appear in the original Methodist hymnal, but looking ahead to the next official hymnal, it was noted that this was one of the most requested hymns to be included in our new hymnal that was published in 1989. It was also one of the very least liked hymns, and it was often denounced as being erotic and egocentric. Those are words that I would not use to describe this hymn. And if you are interested in why they said that, I'd be happy to share the link with that. It's about eight pages long and it's very small type. And I actually have it printed off. You're welcome to take it. Their reasoning behind it was they read into the words and they believe that the words talk about a story of Mary Magdalene and Jesus. And I personally don't buy into that. I have a very different view of the words of this hymn. This hymn is one that really had a big impact on my life. I wouldn't necessarily list it as one of my favorites, but it's one that I remember very much as a child. Some of you may have heard about the young boy that had come forward during children's time of worship. And as the pastor was sitting there talking about God with all of the kids, this little boy looked at the pastor and he said, Hey, pastor, did you know I know God's real name? 
And the pastor said, you do? What do you think God's real name is? And he said, well, his name's Andy. And the pastor looked at the little boy and said, why do you think his name is Andy? And the little boy said, well, because it's in that song. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. <laughs> I remember hearing a pastor tell that joke in church one time as I was a kid. And I have always thought it was so funny. But another moment in my own childhood was very affected by this song. I talk a lot about my home church. It was a place I was very involved in, and we were at church just like any normal Sunday, sitting in our normal pew, singing our normal hymns. And this one particular Sunday, a man happened to walk in late to the service. He walked all the way to the front and sat in the front pews. He wasn't a stranger, we all knew him, his family was very involved in our church, but I had never actually seen this particular man step foot in the church building or have any part of it. This man had a very difficult life. You could say he had fallen off of his path. Him and his wife were on and off again. They had a lot of relationship issues. He was very heavily involved in drugs and alcohol. I don't know the exact number of children that they have, but I think it was either eight or 10 children. They had gotten into multiple different financial issues. They had to sell off some of the family farm. His parents had continued to bail him out over and over. Needless to say, he did not have much of a relationship with God and we were shocked when he walked into church that day. He continued to come to church though for several weeks after that. And this man ended up admitting himself into rehab and was able to get clean. During his time in rehab, he developed a very strong personal relationship with Jesus for one of the first times in his life. After he was clean and got out of rehab, he requested that he could sing during church. But he wanted to sing a cappella. So the man came and he was dressed so amazing. I had never seen him look this good. He had on a suit, his hair was combed, he had showered. This was not a look that he normally had. And he walked up and he sang a cappella from behind the pulpit and he sang in the garden. And he told the story of how during his time, why he began praying and he began understanding who Christ is and how much God loves him. It was this song that really was his prayer. These lyrics to this hymn spoke to him in ways that he had never felt or been connected to. And it changed his life, completely changed his life. And not only his life, but also his children's life and his parents and his spouse. I tell you this story because as I said last week, and if you weren't here, I'll just tell you again, as I've gone through all of the hymns and the scriptures, I wonder why they are your favorites. What happened in your life? What big turning point happened in your life? What were you going through that this was the scripture or the hymn that became your favorite? I was very happy to read through and find that Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 
was requested a lot as a favorite hymn. If you don't know this about me, that is my favorite scripture. And so I would like to share a story that some of you may have heard before, but it was one of the very first stories I ever shared in a sermon, and it was still online. So I would like to tell you the story in person now and tell you why Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is my own favorite scripture. In 2013, my family had the worst year you could ever imagine. It started out with my identity getting hacked. That was a huge mess in itself. Not very long after that, there were some issues with my ex-husband's daughter, my ex-stepdaughter. And we ended up having to go to court with her mom. It cost us several thousands of dollars. We actually had to take out an, a loan to pay for the attorney. Right before the court date, which ended up turning out fine, but it was very stressful at the time. Right before the court date, I walked into our house and there was water everywhere in my kitchen. Upon further investigation, we realized that a pipe had broke and it had been leaking for a long time and done extensive damage. We ended up having to gut the whole entire kitchen to the two by fours and restart. Bella was a baby. She was about Kendall's age at the time. And of course, I had two other kids, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old with no kitchen. I was trying to cook meals in a little makeshift area with a microwave that I had built with our changing table and wash dishes in the bathtub. And it was stressful, and I was over it. And so we invited some friends over to have a barbecue. We thought, well, we can still cook with our grill. We also had a wonderful patio and a fire pit, but we were out of firewood. So I was like, we can just cut down this branch. It's rotten anyway. It would make great firewood. So we have the pole saw and we could tell it was gonna crack. So we get the kids in the backyard. Of course, the branch falls. I went to roll it so that my ex could begin cutting our actual logs. And what I didn't realize when I rolled it was that the heavy end had landed up on the hedge. So when I rolled it, it fell off and it popped up, hit me in the face, it knocked me out, shattered my nose, I had a very severe concussion, ended up having to have reconstructive surgery, so this is not my real nose, just so that you know. <laughs> Medical bills began to pile up. I was now injured, I had no kitchen, there was family drama going on, things just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and then my ex had gone out of town for work and was gone for the night, and so I had hollered at the boys. I was like, it's time for bed. And Ethan comes running, you know, little three-year-old Ethan, trips on the area rug, flies into the coffee table, and sure enough, ER visit. So I call my neighbor. She comes down and thankfully brought her daughter to watch the other kids. And as we go get in my vehicle, the battery was dead. We get him to the hospital. He has his stitches. It wasn't even a few days later the same little Ethan with the stitches in his head ends up in the ER with asthma issues. He had almost stopped breathing. It was very, very scary. So we now have more medical bills piling up. We have debt from the attorney. Things are just really, really not going right. And I happen to have an app on my phone and I don't have it anymore, but it would pop up and give me daily Bible verses. The one that popped up was this one, the Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. 
I had heard the scripture multiple times, but I had never really taken it to heart. And when I read the words to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding and in all of your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight, it finally made sense. I knew there was no way in my own understanding that I was going to be able to make sense of all of the catastrophe that was going on in my life. And the only thing I could do was to put all of my trust in God. And so I did. What then began to happen was I graduated with my second bachelor's degree and I thought, well, I don't really want to, but we have a lot of financial obligations and I think maybe it's time for me to start working outside of the home. So I applied for a very wonderful position. It was with the Child Advocacy Center and my job would have been to work with the kids that had been sexually and emotionally abused. And it was an amazing, amazing organization. I went and we began the interview and we were talking and they asked about my time with kids and youth and I started telling them about all of my involvement with the youth and children's ministry at the church. At that time, I was still a volunteer. I was not an employee for the church. And I began explaining everything that I did every week and I realized I was volunteering 25 to 30, sometimes more hours a week. And if I took a job outside of the home, there was no way that there was going to be enough hours for me to continue doing this. And I realized at that time how much those kids meant to me. So I looked at the ladies doing the interview and I teared up and I said, you know, I think I need to end this interview. I really appreciate your time, but I've also just realized that I'm called to serve in the church and I need to do that. So I left that interview and I said a prayer and said, hey God, I'm all in, I'll do this. About a week later, I found out that SPRC had met and I didn't even know what SPRC was. If you don't know what it is, it's the Staff Parish Relations Committee at the church. We have one here. And I had no clue it even existed at the church, but they were talking about me in the meeting. And what they had talked about was that they needed to hire a youth pastor. They had some extra funding in their budget and they were ready to hire somebody. And they approached me and asked me if I would like to officially become an employee of the church and be their youth pastor. So of course I said yes, and it was just enough. It was exactly the amount of money that we needed to make it meet every month. It was amazing. And that started my journey. And so as I got really involved with the youth, I started preaching for the first time. We had a youth group that we would preach fun sermons to them. It wasn't, you know, sit down and be real serious. It was really fun. And I started realizing how much I loved to preach. I didn't even know it was a thing that I would enjoy, but it really was. And it felt so amazing. It was just this feeling that I had never felt in my life. And so I started telling our associate pastor at the church about how I just felt like there was more. Like I just needed more. I couldn't get enough of it. And so he pulled a whiteboard out and he drew a big, huge chart for me and said, well, this is what you can do. You can go to lay speaker school and be a lay speaker. You can go to licensed local pastor school and do that. Or you can get ordained as a deacon or you can get ordained as an elder. And I just totally brushed those two off. I was like, there's no way I'm going to seminary. That's not for me. 
So I thought maybe one of these other two would be okay. So I signed up for lay speaker school. Before I went to lay speaker school, the same associate pastor approached me and he said, hey, just got an email that I think you might be interested in. They're having a Discover Ministry seminar and I really think you should go. The church will pay for it. You should really go to this. And I reluctantly agreed and signed up for it. I went to Salina, Kansas, which was about three hours from where I lived. And we started hearing stories of different people's calls, lots and lots of different journeys. And I realized, first of all, that there isn't a right or wrong way that God calls you. It is very individual and different for every person. I also realized that every excuse that I had didn't matter. I didn't have to pack my family up to go to seminary. I could do it online and do it through a journey program. The financial part of it that I was so scared of was going to be taken care of by scholarships. The actual process of going through ordination wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I didn't have to get a third bachelor, as it turns out. You don't have to have a specific Christian ministry bachelor's degree. The two I had were just fine. So I had no more excuses. As the meeting ended, the district superintendent and the bishop's assistant that were putting it on pulled me aside and they said, hey, can you wait for just a second? And I said, okay. The DS looked at me and she said, I can't tell you what to do, but I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. And you really need to give seminary some serious thought and a chance. I left that meeting thinking, really, me? Me? Like, I don't think this is right, God. You're, you're getting this very wrong. This is not me. And I was quite literally talking out loud to myself, trying to convince myself that this was just a horrible idea. It would never work. And I looked out, and there was a huge field of sheep. We don't have sheep in Kansas, and I still cannot find the field of sheep but the voice of God was clear as day, and all I could hear was lead my sheep. So I pulled off onto the exit ramp, and I prayed almost that same prayer that I had prayed before, but this time it was sincere. And I said, okay, God, for real, I am all in. Oh, sorry, I didn't think that would choke me up, but... I prayed and I said, God, I am all in. Wherever you need me to go, whatever you need me to do, I am yours and I will go. And that began the journey to where I am now. As I pulled off that exit ramp, the song, Here I Am, Lord, which we will also sing in a little bit, came to my mind. And it has forever since that moment been one of my favorites. And it has spoken to me in ways I never could have imagined. I also bargained with God that day. I don't recommend doing that, but I, I prayed after I had pulled up back onto the interstate and I said, okay, God, I'm gonna apply to seminary, but I'm only gonna apply to one. And if I get in, that'll be my sign. And so I applied to Iliff School of Theology in Denver and I got my login credentials for my email with them before I even got my welcome letter. So I said, okay, I guess you are in charge. <laughs> the point of it all was that I really did put my trust in God. 
I gave up my own understanding. There are still things that happen in my life. There are parts of this journey that get really rough and bumpy and I question it and I don't understand why. And it's frustrating and it's difficult. But I do acknowledge that no matter what, my God is my God and he will make my path straight. I share this story because, as I said, I know that each one of you have your own stories, ways that God has spoken to you or God has talked to you, signs that God has given you, ways that the scripture or a hymn touched your heart. And I hope, my hope is that you will reflect on those ways, that you will share those stories with others because they do help all of us to be reminded that our God calls us to do things for a reason and there is a purpose for it. And when God starts knocking, he is not going to quit. You're not in control. God is in control. And he will get you. He will, I promise you. And it will be good. My prayer is that you will trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Amen.